What's up, everybody? My name is Alvin. For those of you who are here for the first time, welcome to Nashville Life. You picked a good day to come. It's our 11th anniversary celebration. And uh, the work of art you just watched was uh, uh, an idea. We had a discipleship course called Destiny Training. And uh, our service met at 2 p.m. on Sundays. And we had the great idea to host this after a 2 p.m. service at 5 p.m. to 7. And I had the job of uh, motivating the church to sign up for this two-hour class for 12 weeks at 5 p.m. And uh, we were like, what is going to get people to want to come to this? So we wrote, uh, I wrote that song and did a little video. And we played that every Sunday for like a month and a half. Uh, and we had about 200 people in our church at that time. 90 people signed up for this class. If you were around during Destiny training, can you raise your hand? Anybody? Okay, we, we still got some survivors. Awesome. Awesome. They're still here. I think there was more in first service. But anyway, that, we were, uh, this has been a very nostalgic week. And we were going through old photos and videos. And I was like, oh, man, we got to show that. Destiny training video. Um, but yes, there's a lot of, t lot of things to celebrate. Um, we have, yeah, there's been year after year, just story after story, so many testimonies, so many memories, and, and we've just been, yeah, really sentimental the past week, just thinking back on all that God has done. But today is a celebration, so uh, we've got a little after party after the service out this way. Um, with some sweets for you and some music, and you can go out there and enjoy the good weather. But before you do, we have a mural that we had made um, right here called The Best Chapter Yet. It's a great piece of art. It's a painting, and you can sign the wall. We would love for everybody to sign the wall um, to show that you are here for what's about to be our best chapter yet, year 11. Uh, so good things are happening. This is a sweet day for me and for this church. And I would love to just get right into the word. I've got something I want to share with you before you leave, and then we'll celebrate. Um, repeat these words after me, if you can. Say, the word of God is the bread of life. May my heart conceive it and my life achieve it. In the name of Jesus, amen. amen. Great, great. Um, well, we've been doing a lot of looking back, and uh, there's two things that sort of uh, stir up when um, I reminisce and I get nostalgic and think about all that's happened the past 11 years. And one, one thing that comes up is uh, sentiment. There's a, there's a great emotional uh, experience that happens when you look back and think of what God has done over these past 11 years through this community. And the second thing is confirmation. And I want to focus more on the confirmation because sentiment's good, but it's essentially emotional. And, you know, that's great, but it's, it's not as foundational as something like confirmation. And I want to make sure that while we honor the past, um, we don't live in the past. And today is a combination of honoring what's happened, but also really taking this as a uh, launching pad to go forward, to go further. I believe that the Lord is still deepening the, 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 the depth of our church and the, the weight of our impact on our city 
and on our nation. I believe there's so much more that he wants to do in the future. Um, so confirmation is important because it gives us a chance to review the foundation of what started this. And uh, I want to say, I want to honor my, my dad because nine of these years that we've been celebrating were, were, were led by my parents, our founding pastors. So I want to honor them. <laughs> Pastor Love, Pastor CC, they've done most of the work. Um, and I've just, you know, I'm just now getting in. So I want to make it very clear that the, the beginning of this church, and even now, I mean, it's just, it's so much under the leadership of what my parents have established and what they're doing. My dad did a great, great job last week preaching. He got to share his testimony. Um, me and Jasmine were uh, away, I was speaking at a church in Chicago, and uh, I loved it. God moved, and it was a blessing to be able to do that and to share that with Jasmine, but but I really did miss being here. I missed being with you guys. I got to watch online, and I was so glad he sh shared his story. His story is pretty powerful, isn't it? Very powerful story of what God has done in him, and I was really happy that he read that word that the Lord gave him before our church started that he wrote down. And whenever he reads that, um, those two things stir up that I brought up are for sentiment, but also confirmation. And it makes me feel very secure um, being reminded that this church was inspired by, by God. This was a, a call, a spiritual call that God gave to, to my parents. And for us to still be walking in it today is, is so encouraging. And I'm just fired up for, for what's next. But I want to thank my dad for bringing up that word and reading that because it really sets the tone of what I want to share today. Um, he kind of talked a lot about the history of Nashville life, but I wanted to branch outside of Nashville life a little bit, and I want to talk about the origin of the, the Big C Church, uh, the church itself. Nashville life is just a small twig on a small branch of a huge tree that was planted uh, so long ago by Jesus Christ. And I want to talk about the origin of the church because if we um, want to move forward, uh, we need to make sure that we are still attached to the roots of what started the church, of why Jesus started the church. And I believe as long as we are connected to that foundation, we can expect for God to continue to prosper us, continue to bless us, continue to increase us for years and years to come. So this is a little bit of a history lesson, but I think it's going to be confirming for what God has for the church next. Um, Matthew chapter 16, verse 13 through 19 is what I'm going to read from today. And uh, Matthew chapter 16 Verse 13 starts with saying, it says, Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples a question. He says, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say? That I am. Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, 
For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Very foundational scripture for anyone who considers himself a part of the church, the church of Jesus Christ. He starts this passage with two questions. The first question is, who do other people say that I am? What's the word about me? What are, different, what are the different opinions and perspectives about who I am? And they answered, and then he followed up with the second question. Okay, we've talked about who other people say I am. Who do you say I am? And Jesus really reveals something that I want to share with you today, and that is the importance of personal perspective. Your life will be primarily impacted by your own personal perspective of who Jesus is. Person to your left might think one thing, the person to your right might think another thing, but nothing will impact your life more directly than your personal perspective of who Jesus is. Your life, your future, your destiny will be directly influenced by your personal, your individual personal perspective of who Jesus is. So let's see uh, what Peter's personal perspective was. Verse 15 of that passage, he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. So of all the perspectives that one would have of Jesus, there was a specific perspective that Peter shared that was his own and that um, he expressed. And it was his personal perspective that Jesus was not just a prophet. He wasn't just a good teacher. He was the reincarnation of another great man of God from the past. He was the Christ, which is another word for the Messiah. He was the anointed one. He was the one who was filled and empowered by God's spirit. He was the manifestation of God for the salvation of humanity. And this was the perspective that Peter shared. It was his personal view of who Jesus was. And this was Jesus' response. Verse 17, Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Jesus said that Peter was blessed because of this personal perspective that he had. He received a blessing from Jesus by having the perspective that he shared. Now, I do want to talk about the different perspectives out there because I believe that all people are created equally, but all perspectives aren't created equally. And the reason why I say that is because perspective is a matter of the source. Um, we all have different perspectives that have been uh, provided by different things in life. Some people, your perspective is a reflection of, of, of 
the friend group that you have or the family that you grew up in or the socioeconomic background that you have or the, the news channel that you watch or, or the people that you follow on Instagram. We all have different things informing our perspectives. And the reason why Jesus called Peter's uh, perspective blessed was because of the source of his perspective. He said the perspective that you just shared did not come from your dad. It did not come from your mom. It didn't come from your boss. It didn't come from your spouse. It didn't come from anything that was human. You received a perspective that was a revelation directly from God. And because of him having this revelation from God, he was blessed. Not all perspectives make you blessed. <laughs> um, not all opinions lead to a blessing. Um, but Peter had one that did lead to a blessing because it was a perspective that didn't come from flesh and blood, but it came by revelation of the Holy Spirit directly from God. Matthew uh, 16, 18. Let's go to 18 of the same passage that we're covering. Jesus says, and I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church. Now, he's taking a step further because he, he said that Peter was blessed. But now he's saying, not only are you blessed by this revelation, but I'm going to take the revelation that you got from God, and I'm going to use it to bless a lot of other people. I'm going to take that specific revelation, that perspective of who I am, that I am the Christ and that I am the son of the living God, and I'm going to make this the bedrock to this new thing I'm going to build called the church. And I'm going to let that revelation that you shared be the rock, the foundation that I'm going to build this church. Now, many people have heard that the church is more than just the building. It's not about the four walls. It's the gathering of the people. Many of you have heard that, right? And if you heard that, that's good. That's true. The church is more than just this space. Though we love this space, this is not what the, ch the church is, the gathering of people. It is not just the gathering of any people. There's a specific qualification of uh, that, that or requirement that qualifies a group of people to be regarded as the church. There's a reason why we don't just go to the mall and see a group of people and go, that's the church right there. Or we don't go to a sporting event and see a massive group of people and go, man, this is the church. Because a group of people doesn't make it a church. There is a particular perspective and a revelation that has to be the foundation of that gathering and of those people's beliefs that make it the church. It has to be built on the revelation that Jesus is the Christ. It has to be an assembly of people who have received the revelation that Peter received so long ago that Jesus is the Messiah and that he is the Son of God. And it's then and it's only then that that group of people is called the church. Uh, let's see. Let me talk. I, wanna, I don't want to get ahead of myself. Uh, the, the Greek word for church that's used in, in this passage is, is the word ekklesia. And, and there's a, a connotation that this Greek word has in, in the culture. And it was more of a, a secular term, actually. It was a group of citizens who were authorized to make decisions uh, usually related to government. And, and I was thinking about this, and then my mind immediately went to Isaiah 9, 6, 
where it was prophesied that the Christ, that the Messiah, that the government would be on his shoulders. So I'm thinking about this prophecy and then the word ecclesia, and I'm like, wow, like there's really something to this. this there's agreement here. The Lord is fulfilling what the prophecy was and that the group of people that would, that would be the church would be sanctioned by God, anointed and given uh, the authority by God himself to speak the truth um, and, and declare truth for the well-being of the world. There's a governing call on the church. I believe that's why our vision is following Jesus, building leaders. We believe that every member of the church is called to a place of influence, to a place of leadership. We are the light we are the city on the hill that can't be hidden. We are the light of the world. We give light to the world. We give, we give peace. We give uh, preservation to the world. We give flavor to the world. We give righteousness to the world. This group of people called the church. Um, and it's, it's encouraging to know that that's the call that we have. But let me, let me talk a little bit further before some of you guys go too far with the, with, uh, with the word government. Um, Matthew 16, 18 continues, Jesus says, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, talking about the church, this group that he's building, this assembly of people that he's building on this revelation that Jesus is the Christ. It says that the gates of hell will not prevail against this church. Um, Jesus is revealing something about the government, the governing nature of the church. Uh, the gates of hell is a spiritual term. It, it's, it's referring to the authority of death, the power of death. And it's, it's a spiritual matter. There's a reason, you know, he didn't say, uh, and Rome won't prevail against the church, or Caesar won't prevail against the church. And the reason why I'm making this clear is because I think many Christians have made the mistake of limiting the authority that God has given to the church to human politics and human government. And, and the truth is the government that the Lord has called us to is something that supersedes the earth. It's something that's beyond flesh and blood. It's something that's beyond humanity. It's something that includes the earth, but it also includes the heavens. And it's a supernatural authority that we have that goes way beyond the decrees and the laws that are written by man. This is something that is greater than Caesar, something that is greater than Rome, something that is greater than our nation, something that is greater than the earth, something that the Lord says that the church, when we are born again, we are seated in heavenly places. There is a heaven and earth type of authority that the Lord shares with the church. And it's something way beyond what most of us think when, when, when we think about uh, our, our position in this world. The church, I think, wildly underestimates the authority and the power and the impact that we've been called to make in this world. Um, before I go any further, I want to reiterate one thing, and I just want to make it clear that the gathering of people that the Lord is building, the church, it is built on and built by the revelation that Jesus is the Christ, which means that Jesus is greater than death. To say that Jesus is the Christ is to say that Jesus is greater than death. 
He's greater than sin. He overrides. He has all power. He has the power of God. He is God. To say Jesus is the Christ is to say that he is greater than death. And this is an essential belief for a member of his church. To believe that Jesus is the Christ, to believe that he is greater than death, is an essential belief that every person who is in the church that he is building um, to have. We must have this. And the reason why it's essential that we know that Jesus is greater than death is because it's a historical fact that Jesus died. He was crucified on the cross. And that's a historical fact. That's just as much of a fact as any king or any person or any movie star or any great, great, great parent. It's, it's fact that, that, that they lived and then they died. And the importance of knowing that Jesus is greater than death is because saying that he's the Christ is what informs us that he rose from the grave. Jesus didn't just die, but he died and rose. He is alive today. Jesus is alive today. It's, it's common knowledge. There's no controversy around the fact that Jesus died. We're going to get amens all across the world. Every atheist will say amen to that. It's, that is not the polarizing detail. The amens don't get diminished until we say that he rose from the grave. Because if he rose from the grave, that would imply that Jesus is greater than death, which would mean that he is the Christ. And that's where the amens across the world will diminish. Because while everybody can accept that Jesus was crucified and that he died, not everybody is accepting that he rose from the grave. So the detail that Jesus is the Christ is essential to be in uh, the church that he is building. Now, let me share something really quickly because this is what makes it complicated. Language can often make things complicated because some words have more than one meaning. And the word I want to talk about really quickly is the word church. Church has more than one meaning. And the reason why is this. I'll prove it. I'm going to give you two statements, and I think both are true. You, it is essential that you have a revelation that Jesus is the Christ for you to be in his church, to be in the church. It is not essential that you have a revelation that Jesus is the Christ for you to be in the church. The reason why both of these statements are true is because the word church has two meanings in our world. There is the spiritual church that Jesus is building, and then there's the physical church that we're in right now. There's the physical gathering of people, which is called church. And you don't have to know that Jesus is Lord to be in the physical gathering of Jesus, I mean, physical gathering of the church. Yet you have to have it to be in the spiritual house that, that he's building. And, and it's it going to be a confusing dilemma because both are happening at the same time. 
You don't have to believe to be in the church building, and, but yet you, you have to believe to be in the spiritual thing that he's building, the spiritual church. And our meetings have people who think Jesus is alive, and our meetings have people who don't think he is, and it can be a little bit tricky because... Which church are we talking about? Like, yes, there's church, but then there's church, and I'm confused. It can be tricky, but the good news is it's not too tricky for Jesus. He has allotted for this. He knew that this would be the case, and he actually has wisdom on this, this uh, dilemma that we are in. And he explains it in Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13, stick with me, verse 24 through 30. Jesus says, he put another parable before them saying, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed seed, good seed, sorry, in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? He said to them, An enemy has done this. So the servants said to him, Then you must want us, sorry, then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, No. Lest in gathering the weeds, you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together and the harvest, uh, sorry, until the harvest. And at harvest time, I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned. But gather the wheat into my barn. Sorry, I messed up a lot reading that. But you're following me, right? Jesus is fully aware that the spiritual church and the physical church are coexisting at the same time. And as odd as it might seem, it is his will that both coexist together. He actually says it's in the best interest of his spiritual church that both are coexisting together until the very end, which has not happened yet. Thing about Jesus is he's used to mixed company. It's been a mixed bag in his church since the beginning. I mean, even when he just had 12, he said, one of y'all is a devil. So he, it's been a mixed group since jump. There's, it's never been an unalter, unadulterated, every single person in the space is alive in the spirit. Um, it's, there's always been a physical group of people who are following Jesus and then who Jesus sees is really following that's always been the case. So he's not, he's not as nervous about this as we can get when we hear that there's mixture in the house of God. We're like, oh, my God. I'm, Jesus is like, it's always been. Even my first 12, there was one that was going to kill me. You know, so, so when it comes to his plan, he's already figured this out. And the good news for us is it doesn't matter because every, there hasn't been an era, there hasn't been a year, there hasn't been a phase of the church of Jesus Christ where he has not been able to move powerfully. Every season of the church, he's still saving souls, he's still healing diseases, he's still reconciling, he's still setting people free because the Lord knows how to work 
with the fraction that he's given at times. Even if it's just a remnant, when he finds someone who is actually walking with a revelation, a personal revelation of him, he can move so powerfully through it, even if it was just one. And it's more than just one. But even if it was just one, the Lord is able to shake the earth with one person's personal revelation that Jesus is the Christ. He did it with Peter. He took that one revelation from one man and made the bedrock for the entire church. So the Lord knows how to work with what's he's, what, what he's given. And the reason why we also can rest assured and, and chill about this, because I don't want that news to start you, you guys uh, in this kind of uh, witch hunt where you're looking to your left and looking to your right like, who's real here? Like, oh my gosh, Lord, save me, save me. And let me, let me put you at ease really fast. In the, pa- the beginning passage that I shared, Jesus asked two questions. He said, who do other people say I am? And they listed all this other stuff. And he said, okay, but yeah, but who do you say I am? No one has the power to alter your destiny with the Lord but you. As long as you hold on to your personal revelation and perspective of who Jesus is, the Lord will shine his face on you and not a single aspect of his plan for your life will be altered. The Bible says 10,000 can fall on this side, 10,000 can fall, and you will be untouched. Because at the end of the day, the only thing that determines your relationship with God and your destiny is your own personal. So that's why the question isn't about who they say, who, who cares? Who do you say Jesus is? And as long as you can own that and walk in that, God forbid, but this whole room could be fakes. And you'll be fine because at the end of the day, it is about what the Lord has shown you. So walk in confidence, walk in love. It is not your job to guess who is what. It is not your job. You are wasting your time. And it has nothing to do with the fruit that God wants to produce in your life. The question I want to leave you with is the question that I believe Jesus started this whole thing with. And that was the question of what is your personal perspective of who Jesus is. And I want to encourage you all that the same Holy Spirit that made the revelation clear to Peter is here today. And some of you all have tried to connect with Jesus on so many different bases. Some of us tried the emotional route. If I can just feel it, then I'll get it. Some people have really depended on culture. You know, you know, I'm in the Bible belt, so that's my connection to Jesus. I'm, I'm, I'm a Southern American. That means I'm with Jesus. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm black, so that means I know Jesus. You know, we, we, we. I'm smart, so I'm going to really understand Jesus because I'm a sharp guy and I was top of my class and I know that I'm going to be able to intellectually get there if I just read one more book that I know it's going to click. I want to put all of you all at ease 
and tell you that the revelation that God has for you will not come from anything of flesh and blood. It will not be a product of your... And this is good news. This is good news because some of you all have been trying and you're hitting your head on walls year after year. The revelation that God has for you will not be a product of anything of this earth. It will not be a product of flesh and blood. It will not be a product of your intellect. It will not be a product of your personality. It will not be a product of how much money you have or how much money you don't have. It will not be a product of, of even your family. The revelation that God has for you will come directly from him. And just like he did it for Peter and so many other men and women along the way, he can do it for you. And I just want to encourage everybody here to open up your heart. Humble yourself. The flesh and blood can't perceive Jesus. You, you, you can't. People saw him physically and still didn't see who he was. For any of us who think we have a disadvantage because we weren't around when the two fish and five loaves multiply, trust me, there were naysayers that were eating bread and fish. <laughs> Full of fish, still saying, he's not, he's, that's not him. <laughs> I promise you, flesh and blood will not reveal this to you. You have to just lay all that aside and say, Father... Unless you reveal it to me by your spirit, I can't see Jesus, and I need to see Jesus. So, Holy Spirit, reveal him to me. We all need a personal spiritual revelation of who Jesus is if we are going to be a part of the church that he is building. Because this, now the spiritual church, now the physical church, you can do a whole lot and not believe. But the spiritual house that God is building is built exclusively on the specific revelation that Jesus is the Christ. He's greater than death. He's alive today. And because he's alive, I can live forever. I want to pray. I want to pray. Father, I thank you for the word. I thank you, Lord. I just pray that all of us can just rest at this moment and lay aside all of our efforts and all of our, all of our attempts to, to know you and to understand you, God. And let us be liberated today that unless your spirit reveals who Jesus is, we're not going to see. So we ask you today to open up the eyes of our heart on behalf of everybody in this room, everyone watching online. Lord, we want to be a part of what you're building spiritually. Yes, we're in a great physical space and we thank God for this building. But when you come back, you're not coming back for the building. You're coming back for a spiritual house people who have received the revelation that Jesus is the Christ and have let that revelation impact every aspect of their lives. Lord, we want our life to be built on the rock that you are the Messiah, that you are greater than death, 
that you have all power, all authority. You're King of kings. You're Lord of lords. You are the Son of God. You're coming back for us. Lord, let this be our foundation. Let this be our connection to you. Let this be the connection to the church. Nothing else. God, I pray that every heart here that's willing, I pray, Lord, that you would draw them by your spirit, open up the eyes of their heart, and let them see you, Jesus. We want to see you. We need to see you, Jesus. There's so many perspectives out there, God. Philosophy, culture, politics, there's so many perspectives of you, God, and we only want the one that comes from you. We only want the revelation that comes directly from you, God, the Father. That's what we want. That's what we need. And Lord, I thank you that we don't have to beg because you want us to see Jesus even more so than we've wanted to, God. So we know that you're going to meet us. And I just pray even now as I pray, Lord, that people would be receiving revelation of who you are, who you are, God. Let it be by your spirit. Holy Spirit, I ask you in this moment to touch every heart, every mind with a fresh, potent, clear revelation of the glory and the majesty and the love of Jesus. I pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. I'm going to ask us all to stand. We're about to close out. Because once you receive a revelation of Jesus, the next, there is a next step. We're big on next steps here at Nashville. There is a next step, and you've got to confess. You've got to speak the revelation that you, Peter didn't just think it, but he said it. And when he said it, something supernatural happened, and Jesus said, whoa, you, you are blessed, and I am about to build my church on what you just said. The Lord wants to build your life on the confession that he is Lord. So if you are ready to take that next step and confess his lordship and confess that he is the Christ, repeat this after me. Let's say it all together. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God I believe that he died on the cross for my sins and was raised from the dead on the third day. Forgive me of my sins and make me a new person in Christ. Say, Lord Jesus, I choose you to be the Lord of my life. Fill me with the Holy Spirit so I can live for you every day. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Let's just glorify God. Let's make some noise for the Lord. If you believe that he is alive, if you believe that he is greater than death, say hallelujah. Say, we praise you, Jesus.
Hallelujah. Congratulations to everybody who, who received that revelation and confessed it. We're here to support you. This is a church. We want to continue to affirm that revelation in your life. We want to see that revelation start to spill out in all the different areas of your life, your professional life, your marriage, your parental life, your, your dreams, your hopes, your social life. We want the revelation of Jesus to just overtake your life. And it's going to be a blessing. So we're here to pray for you. we got a team that's going to be right up here. When we dismiss on the way out, just say, I need prayer. And tell them what you need prayer for. And they'll pray for you. Um, they're here to serve you. We love you. You can also connect with us by texting the word BELONG to 77411. We can connect to you that way. We will follow up with you. We want to connect. That's our thing. We want to do it. Uh, we don't have next steps today we have a party today but next week we have next steps so if you want to learn more about the vision of the church just come back we'd love to see you but today like i said we've got our mural to the right we would love for you to see it sign the wall and then uh we've got a little celebration out here enjoy the good weather uh, I love you guys. I can't wait to see what God has for this this year coming up. And I pray all of you guys can be a part of it with us. Um, I want to give you a, a quick preview of what's to come next week, next month. Uh, April is a huge month for Nash for Life. We're calling it uh, the series as Legacy. We're, our message series is Legacy. And we have our founding pastors. We're honoring them next Sunday, so come for that. We've got Easter Sunday, and then we've got a great guest speaker coming at the end of April um, speaking on uh, legacy. And I want to just define legacy according to Webster really fast, and I'll let you go. Uh, legacy is defined three ways. It's a gift by will, especially of money or, or, or other personal property. Uh, another definition of, of uh, legacy is something transmitted by or received from an ancestor or predecessor or from the past. Uh, the third definition is a candidate for membership in an organization who was given special status because of a familiar relationship to a member. And we're going to cover all of the aspects of this definition in the month of April. I really think you're all going to find something that's just for you this month. So try to be here as much as you can in April for our, our legacy series. And uh, before we go, I do want to let you guys know that in the spirit of legacy, uh, Jasmine and I have been blessed to start our own with a baby who is due this September. Wave to the people, Jasmine. She's with child. The woman's with child. No. Um, we are so excited, guys. Uh, we've been wanting to tell you all. Um, she's been incredible. She had a pretty rough first trimester, just sick a lot, and none of y'all knew it. She was just smiling and then going out, you know, so I'm glad we get to tell y'all, and I'm glad that she's no longer feeling sick. She's feeling great. God is good. We're past that. Um, but yes, we got a baby coming, so be praying for us. This is the best chapter yet, guys, so let's go. Let's go. I love you all. Let's pray. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for today. I thank you for the incredible news that we got to share with our church family. Lord, I thank you for...
the revelation that Jesus is the Christ, God. And I pray, Lord, that we would continue to just hold that so close to our hearts, God. And I pray, Lord, that even as we leave and celebrate, your spirit would still be revealing the truth of Jesus. And I pray, Lord, that that revelation would just get greater and greater and greater as the days go by. Lord, um, bless us all. Let us have a great day in this great weather. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Have a great rest of the day.